Father, we thank you for uh, this incredible morning to be able to gather in your house to worship you and just to uh, claim those words, holy, holy, holy. And God, it, it reminds us of your character. He who was and is and is to come. God, this morning as we continue our time in the word and in this series, I pray that you would teach us about your faithfulness. What it means uh, to live under your faithfulness, but also what does it mean to live out faithfulness through the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Good morning. If you have a Bible, Proverbs 20, verse six and seven is where we're gonna land here in a few minutes, Proverbs 26 and seven. Glad you're here this morning. Thanks for worshiping with us and thanks for those who are joining us online and those joining us in Kindred. Again, I like to say we're one church and we serve uh, the same God, we have the same mission and vision to love God, love others, and serve the world. Today we're continuing in this series called The Nine, which is the fruit of the Spirit. We've talked about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and today we're talking about faithfulness. I have to slow down a little bit when I, when I say the fruit of the Spirit because um, I've recognized in the past few weeks that for 34 years I've said it wrong. And uh, many times I stand up here and I'll, and I'll say the nine fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Um, and for five years now, nobody has corrected me. But, but I was uh, reminded that um, I say gentleness, faithfulness, self-control when it's faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And so please forgive me for that. Today we are on faithfulness. Last week we were reminded that God is a good God, and that our experience in this life and the things that we go through in this life don't determine God's goodness. In other words, we can't use the things in this life, the circumstances in our experience to look at God and determine whether or not he is a good God. Psalm 199.68 says this, you are good and what you do is good. Teach me your decrees. That was from last week. He is good even when we turn on the news. He is good in the midst of a tragedy or a tough season in our life. He is good even when people fail us, even when we're in doubt. In general, you might remember that goodness means this, consistently the same. And for us, when we think about living out goodness, what that means is that our morality and our ethics match, remember? Our, the way we live and then what we live according to, that's our ethic, when those two things align. But God is consistently the same. In other words, what he says he does. Today is faithfulness. Great is his faithfulness. Becoming a person who possesses the fruit of faithfulness, because that's what we're talking about, these nine fruit of the Spirit. Here's what it means. First, it means allowing the Holy Spirit to convince us of God's unfailing and unquestionable faithfulness. And that's true of all nine of the fruit of the Spirit that we've talked about. Being convinced of the fruit of the Spirit through our relationship through him first. Probably every person in this room has heard the words to the song, great is thy faithfulness. Here's what I want you to do for just a second. I want you to think of the last time that God was unfaithful in your life. And then what are you basing his unfaithfulness on? 
The older you get, I don't know about you, the older I get, the louder and more enthusiastically we sing the words of that song, all I had needed, thy hand has provided. And we just stop and we ponder and we fix on those words and we think about his provision, the physical, the emotional, the spiritual. Uh, Think about this, when when, when we're weak, uh, he gives us strength. When we lack purpose, he gives us hope. When we're believing lies, it's truth. When we're fearful, he gives us faith. When we're downcast, he gives us joy. When we're anxious, he gives us peace. All I had needed, thy hand has provided. Do you see that in your life? Who could understand such words better than a person who has experienced firsthand the truth of the words? Morning by morning, new mercies I see. The merciful, faithful hand of God is before our very eyes every single morning. Morning by morning, the mercies I see. God's faithfulness is complete. God's faithfulness is unchanging. When we say God is faithful, we're saying this. His character is working at full capacity always. It's kind of this underlying truth of who God is and his character. That's what the word faithful, the idea behind it. His character, everything about him is working at full capacity always. His love has never and will never fail. He's never less holy. His forgiveness never runs out. His grace is always sufficient. He has kept his word and remained true to his promises always, time and time again. It's working at full capacity. Let me, let me share some truths with you from scripture about his faithfulness. He is faithful to his promises, Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, for he who promised is faithful. See if these ring true in your life and for you. He is faithful to his truth. Numbers 23, 19 says this, God is not human, that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and then not fulfill? He is faithful to keep you. This is a great promise here, friends. First Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will always provide a way out so that you can endure it. There's an escape from temptation. He is faithful to protect you, 2 Thessalonians 3.3, but the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. I want you to see his faithfulness. He is faithful to forgive you. 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from unrighteousness. So here's the deal, guys. Scripture constantly and consistently points to the faithfulness of God, even when we didn't know we needed him to be faithful. His character is working at full capacity, even when we don't think about it, even when we, don't, we didn't realize it. He never stops working. And so while man feels reason to, to maybe question God's faithfulness, God has never acted unfaithfully to his creation. God's faithfulness can be trusted. We go back to the Old Testament, we think, well, the Israelites from Egypt to the Promised Land, they experienced God's faithfulness time and time again on that journey. God refused to give up on them, regardless of the number of times maybe that they rebelled against him. 
Jesus himself experienced the faithfulness of his Father. The disciples experienced God's faithfulness. The early church experienced God's faithfulness. The church today experiences God's faithfulness. You experience God's faithfulness. His mercies are new every single morning. Do we have one reason to say that God has been unfaithful? Can you think of one? Has he ever made a promise that has gone unkept in your life? Has he ever vowed and then broken it? Has he ever started something and then given up on it? Has he ever made a commitment and then, and then he failed to keep it in your life? The answer to all those things is never. We have before us a perfect example of unfailing faithfulness from which to learn. Faithfulness and trust, they're, they're linked together. So without faithfulness, there can be no trust, right? So if God were unfaithful, then he couldn't be trusted. Faithfulness is the track record for our ability to currently trust. When a person is struggling to trust God, and you've been there, I've been there, it would be wise to revisit God's faithful hand. It would be wise to just pause for a moment and think back and to remember the mercies that we've witnessed every single morning and to see God's faithful hand in our lives. Because a lack of trust in God comes from a lack of seeing God's faithfulness in our lives. So when we stop seeing God's faithfulness, it's easy to stop trusting. Can you trust God when he says, I will never, ever leave you or forsake you? Or what about when he says that nothing can separate his love from you? Or what about when he says his mercies are new every morning? Can you trust him? Are you trusting him? There are people who will not go to church or even hear of God because they believe that if God is truly faithful, then he must have forgotten about them. Many will claim in times of struggle, God is so distant, he has forgotten about me. I cannot trust him. Again, a history of faithfulness allows for a future of trust. God's faithfulness often is revealed in caring for us, leading us, and loving us. Friends, his faithfulness really is simple math. I don't know uh, if you've noticed on social media, but there's these things going around, it's like there's just this simple equation, it's like, tell me what goes on in your head when you try to solve this problem. And I look at the problem and I think, well, there's not a whole lot that goes on in my head, but, so, the, so the, it might be a problem like this. If I said, what is 68 plus 27? and you had a piece of paper and you, you would stack the numbers, right? And you would try to do the math the way that maybe some of you were taught to do math and, and you would add the, the right column and then you would carry the one and then you, you, know, you, you would come up with the answer, right? 95. Or some might do it like eight plus seven is 15, six plus two is eight, answer is 815, add the eight plus one equals 95. That's another way that some people would do that equation. Some people would round up to 68 to 70. I do this sometimes, like, okay, 68, let's go to 70, plus 27 is 97 minus the two that I added, and you get to the same answer. 
Some people will just see the numbers and they know the answer. Those people are sick. <laughs> like they don't even have to do any addition. They, like, they see two numbers, they know the answer. Uh, how is that even possible? It doesn't matter the formula or the method or the process you use. The answer is consistently the same. God is faithful. That's always the answer. Let's talk about a faithful person who can find. Now we're in Proverbs 26 and seven. This is what it says. Many claim to have unfailing love, but a faithful person who can find. The righteous lead blameless lives. Blessed are the children after them. We're gonna unpack these couple of verses here. Have you ever made a decision that was questioned or ridiculed? If you are breathing, of course you have. Last week, I was in a conversation with someone and they shared with me about a recent time when a decision was made and the decision that they made was questioned. And the person who was, who was questioning their decision completely misunderstood the intent of the decision that was made. They had formulated in their mind this misrepresentation of a decision and, and they did what we all do and we all know not to do and that is that they assumed something of the person who made the decision. And in fact, an entirely new picture of the person making the decision had been painted in the mind of the one who was questioning it. Oh, because you decided this, that must mean this, or that must mean X, Y, Z. And they built this picture of that, of the person who had made the decision. And a whole new story was being written and justified in their mind. Have you ever done that? A phrase that I like to use with people who say that they're under attack and everything in them wants to lash out or, or respond or to defend, defend themselves. This is what I like to say. Let your character speak for you, not your mouth. There's that consistency again. If your character is working at full capacity and you've been faithful over time, your character will speak for you. If our faithfulness is consistently the same, I would hope that a standalone decision would warrant a closer look and understanding rather than an assumption made on somebody else's part. I would hope that they don't come to a conclusion too quickly. I would hope that whatever math is being used, people arrive at the same answer, and that is that we could be found faithful. Consistently the same faithfulness. It will not only honor God, because it will, but it will gain favor with the people that are around us that matter the most, and it will give us open doors to where we can be trusted. And when we're trusted, Here's what happens, friends. When you are trusted because of the faithfulness in your life, when you are trusted, it will open the doors for you to point people to Jesus because you will have a voice that's trusted. You will have a life that's trusted. And because faithfulness, according to Solomon, is so hard to find, that's the picture that he's pointing here. When it's found, it's, 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 it's an anomaly. It's like a bridge or a passageway into another person's life who maybe is confused or hurting or lost. And so when it's found, it's so unique. 
as you learn to rest in God's faithfulness and as you learn to trust him more and more, the fruit of faithfulness is being developed in you. And what you experience in your relationship with God, you also become. And as you experience God's faithfulness in your life, you become faithful to God and to others. I'm guessing we all want to be known as faithful people, people who make promises. Don't you want this? People in your life, people who make promises and keep them, right? Who see things to the end, who follow through on commitments, faithful to God's word, faithful in the way that we behave, living a life of humility, not thinking better of ourselves, faithful to God's word. So faithfulness is to live your faith. It's to put your faith in action. So interestingly, the word faithful comes from the same root word as the word amen. So as Christians, it's a word that we frequently use to show our belief in God or our agreement. So faithfulness is a character trait that combines dependability and trust based on our confidence in God and his eternal faithfulness. So in a survey given to several groups over a period of many years, when asked what trait in other people do you dislike the most? Or asked in another way, what flaw in people's character do you have a difficult time tolerating or, or putting up with? Near the top of the list is unfaithfulness. Some people commented that they hated when a person would say one thing and then do something completely different. Or when someone makes a promise and they don't follow through on it. Or, or others said, I can't stand it when someone tells me you can count on me and then they're nowhere to be found. So it's this character trait that many people long for in other people's lives. And they long for it in your life. Eugene Peterson rephrased it and he says this. Lots of people claim to be loyal and loving. But where on earth can they be found? If I were to ask you to make a list of all the people you know right now that you consider to be faithful people in your life, how many people would you be able to write down? Faithful to their word, to their promises, to their commitments, their convictions, and so on. Back to the first part of verse six. Solomon, the author of Proverbs, addresses a bunch of topics in chapter 20. I encourage you to read it sometime. He begins and he talks about the topic of drink, um, conduct, laziness, discernment, character and integrity. Someday I wanna uh, take Proverbs 20 and just do a whole sermon series on all those topics. But there's an apparent contrast that happens in verse six. The contract, contrast is between many who claim to be faithful, so people who say they're faithful, but the rarity of those who can actually be found. So it's a contrast between promise and performance. That's what he's pointing out. I think all of us would say we want to be thought of as faithful people, someone who's dependable, someone who's trustworthy. Solomon chooses just one area of faithfulness here in verse six. He says this, many a man claims to have unfailing love, or it could be said like this, most men will claim his own goodness. That's really what's happening in that first part of verse six. Oh, I have unfailing love. So they're talking about their own good. This is how good I am, look how good I am, right? But what is he suggesting? He's suggesting that we are quick 
to toot our own horn and claim our own goodness, but the more our goodness gets noticed and meets the mark, think about this, the more good you are, oh, I have unfailing love, and the more that that gets noticed, people notice it, then all of a sudden, the more people notice it, the more you feel good enough about yourself. It's the way we do it. We want others to know our goodness. Hey, everyone, look at me. Listen to what I, what I have done or what I'm planning to do. And we claim our own goodness so we feel good enough. Solomon uses this example here of unfailing love. Many will say, I have unfailing love. I have an unfailing love towards my spouse, towards my children, towards my family. It's unfailing. You should just watch me. Just look at me. And he's just picked one area. Unfailing love means that it, it, it never runs out. It's, it's consistent. It's, I don't have any conditions in my love for other people. It's never changing. It's always perfect. It never falls short. What else might we substitute here in verse 6? Many a man claims goodness through his generosity. Many a man claims goodness through his charitable contribution. Many a man claims goodness through his actions towards the less fortunate. You could put anything in here, but who can find? Solomon is teaching us that our claims and our performance often go unmatched. A man, let me give you a couple examples in this, in just in this one area. A man will claim unfailing love to his wife and then use porn to feel wanted with no strings attached. Women will claim unfailing love to their husband and then allow their longing to get noticed that it takes them down a treacherous path. A man will claim generosity and turn around and hoard for himself. A man will claim goodness through his actions and then perform them with a bad attitude. A man will claim holy is his ways and then live the secret impure life. A man will claim to be good or even a great father and then fail to encourage and love and spend time with his own kids. Do you see what's happening here? Solomon is suggesting, is he suggesting that we flat out lie? I don't think he's saying that we lie. I think he's saying we stretch the truth in order to receive recognition in order to receive good about ourselves. Maybe he's suggesting that our motives are wrong. He's probably saying something like this. When I think about my own life, this is what I think he's kind of saying. Let's get real for a second. The story that we tell of our lives has holes in it. The artistic picture that we paint of our life is really a paint by number. Fuchi purses or Folkley sunglasses are becoming so close to the real deal, it's hard to tell them apart. And, but no matter how much they present as real, they're still fake. I can be trusted, I am dependable, I am loyal. We can say all we want, but is our fruit fakefulness or faithfulness? Our actual faithfulness falls short of our claims. That's what Solomon's saying. 
So the word faith in the New Testament is a word which means to persuade. To have faith means to be persuaded that there is no other truth apart from God. That's, that's kind of the idea behind it. Therefore, we can say a faithful person is one who lives their life by faith. And a person who has faith is one who fully trusts God and will do what he said he'll do in every situation, every single time. Our ability to live as faithful people must be developed in us by the Holy Spirit. In other words, you can't, you can't wake up tomorrow morning and go, today I'm going to be a faithful person in the flesh. You can try all you want, you can do everything you want to be consistent, but that has to be developed in us through the Holy Spirit. What does it look like lived out? When we live unfaithfully towards others, like any of these, if we're unfaithful towards others, we are also living unfaithfully towards God. Jesus gave us an example in the Gospels when he said to his disciples, what you did to the least of these you also did unto me. None of us would ever want to admit uh, being an unfaithful person, right? I mean, we, we wouldn't want to show up to a class and say, hi, my name is Andy, I'm unfaithful. We all want to be known as people who remain true to our word, who make promises and keep them, who see things through to the end, who make commitments and keep them, who, uh, of course, we want to be known as a person that, that, that can be trusted. When we say to somebody else, you can trust me and really, really mean that. One of the ways we demonstrate our faithfulness towards God is by living faithful lives with each other. For example, if you're married, if, if we told our spouse on our wedding day that we would live in a faithful relationship with them by loving them and caring for them and honoring them and valuing them and trusting them, and then we choose to live in a relationship with them unfaithful to all those promises, then not only are we unfaithful to them, but we're being unfaithful to God because we entered into a relationship that's a covenant relationship with God. It's just, that's just an example. I once knew a man who appeared to be a very godly man. I was impressed with this guy. He was intelligent, he loved to debate topics like, did God create evil? I mean, really simple, quick discussions like that. For all purposes, you might think of him as a faithful man. I did, I mean, I, I, I watched him, I knew him. Faithful to his family, to his church, to God, to his word, etc. And not only did he appear to be faithful, but he was incredibly successful. Designed and built products, he had many patents. You'd be impressed. But the word on the street didn't match the man in the seat. It was said that he was a ruthless boss, a poor businessman, he was unfair, he lied and cheated to get himself ahead. He was a workaholic, leaving his family in the dust. He wanted people to see his faithfulness while he was living fakefulness. Faithfulness runs much deeper than a person showing up at the time they said that they would. It's a character trait that has been tried through and through over time and it involves these things, integrity and fairness and commitment and consistency and staying true to your word and fulfilling your promise and making vows and keeping them. There's proof in it. Verse seven, Solomon was saying to a man who lives a life 
of integrity or faithfulness. Blessed are his children who come after him. For a person who lives a faithful life, they and their children will be blessed. I think it's awesome to think that we have such an opportunity to pass on from one generation to the next generation, this demonstration of faithfulness, a characteristic of God molded every single day in our lives. When our faithfulness is not consistently the same, our children, we think we have everybody fooled, but our children and others see right through us. We may think that we have others convinced and even fooled when in fact we have become the fool. Here's one thing I wanna leave you with. And this is always just a great reminder. A history of faithfulness sets the table for future trust. You can apply that in any relationship any scenario that you're in. Father, thank you for your faithfulness and that you are consistently the same and that your character is working at full capacity at all times, even when we don't pause to see it or think about it. God, we, um, we desire the fruit of faithfulness in every one of our relationships as we think about living it out and what that does for a relationship, that bond, that element of trust. Lord, I pray that what we say and what, how we live and practice, that those two things would continue to get closer and closer. And that when we say to somebody, you can trust me, they can look at us and say, I know that I can because you've been faithful. Lord, that goes a long ways in community. That goes a long ways in a church, in a family, in a relationship, in a marriage. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.